Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a new episode of the X Button. I am one of your hosts, Alejandro, and with me is the massively disheveled, long traveling. Oh, hi, everybody. How's been traveling today all over the place? Because you look um, like you've seen hell. <laughs> it's been very busy. It's been a lot. Um, I've had to go downtown and be downtown pretty much since early this morning, um, doing office things and then driving around on my uh, delivery runs and some things like that. <clears throat> yeah, but, this um, was the first. Yeah, this was the first time I heard you. You actually going into an office in a while because you're always telling me you work from home and go all over the yes. place. It's been a while since I've actually had to go into the office. I've been able to work from home, but I'm actually stepping away from one of my secondary jobs, at least for right now, because um, the other two are very busy. One of which is the game that's coming out in April. Um, mm -hmm. I'm in crunch time for that, and I really yes. need to set aside some time to finish my work on it. Now, and quick question. The other, is um, the game gold yeah. or not? No. <laughs> and you have the um, release date already, so you're gonna go is... gold and immediately publish. That that, that seems. See, I'm a I'm a commissioned outsider. I'm not actually part of the development team mm -hmm. on that one. Um, I'm pretty sure he's listed. This is gonna be. I know it's a buzzword now, but the idea of early access meaning mm -hmm. that he's got the bones there. Yeah. And the game itself is only five bucks. Um, so he's like, he really wants to open it up now to everybody mm -hmm. where it's like, it's serviceable, but he wants to keep adding and adding features and quests and other things to it. So I was like, at first I was like, oh boy, that sounds really sketchy. And then he was explaining, he's like, no, yeah. no, I want like people to play it. And like, this is going to be the time for people to like, I want you to, if you're not, with it, break if, it. if you're not gold, this is the time to like, yeah. put it, put, pull it out. Like in early access that prevents you from having to go through that stigma of you're gold now but you're not ready right and i realized that um he's not a a pr or a business guy at all so i think a lot of it that he kind of takes for granted i had to explain some of that to him um but that was only just because he's so focused on trying to work on it that mm -hmm. he doesn't really think about a lot of the stuff that needs to be communicated to a community. So hopefully I can help him out with some of that in the future. Yeah, that's why devs are not the PR people. The PR and the marketing is like handled by the people that are experts in that. And then exactly. the devs are actual devs. It's rare for a one dev to know how to properly be a PR person. Like look what happened to No Man's Sky and Sean Murray, the... Yeah. Uh, the main guy there <laughs> so. and i think um he's really held the idea that it's very rough indie and high on the passion low on the polish mm -hmm. um which you know garnishes a certain level of like acceptance for anything that's going to be rough to an extent yeah <laughs> but like you get it like when it's an indie game made by like two three people you kind of go into it with certain expectations as mm -hmm. opposed to this is a proven studio that's really done stuff before so i i want to give him the benefit of the doubt on it but um i had definitely had to give him a few tweaks on the difficulty because it's turn-based and Ooh, i got freaking okay. clapped at one of the demo uh segments and um so I was like, all right, <laughs> I put down the controller. I was like, you need to really change a couple of things. So I told them about um, like the Bioshock trick where it's like they always miss their first shot. Mm -hmm. and, um, 
some of those moves where it's like stuff that should kill you won't and you'll get more like the XCOM factor um, where you get higher chance in the background mm -hmm. the closer you are to death so he's like that's genius I can't believe I never thought of that and so he immediately changed all the numbers on things so he's like so open to the things he just wants to hear back from people and like keep iterating and working on it now why not just put out a demo instead of just the full thing at early access he had a closed demo to a couple of very specific people um and if i was in charge of it i probably would have said hey just put that out to everybody mm -hmm. um but i don't know for whatever reason he felt like he wanted to put more out all at once than just a couple of minutes worth hi felix yeah <laughs> i, I really care him yes oh but wow yeah. good luck to him hey, when's the game coming out april 9th right now i'm told the there's gonna be still a trailer on the first and i've got five of 16 characters finalized all right, so uh... the, all of the main core cast of heroes and villains are finished mm -hmm. uh, on my part and everything else is just all the side characters merchants and all that stuff yeah i'm more curious about it now that you said that it's turn-based so i want i definitely want especially now having seen some of the art that you've shown me and you've shown that you put out on twitter i really want to see that now put in the full assets in actual it's very play, old so. school final fantasy or chrono trigger kind of style um and i love it whenever he pulls up the menu and the little cutouts of my characters are sitting there i'm like Oh my gosh, that's mine. <laughs> it's um it's a wonderful experience for sure. But um yeah, I I'll keep y'all posted on uh as things get a little closer and hopefully that um I know it's going to be a very interesting experience for me to watch that happen, but I uh I love being a part of it and I hope that I can uh, be a part of it moving forward as well in a greater capacity. Absolutely. I definitely can't wait. Meanwhile here, I'm not in dev. I've just been home because I got my third shot for COVID. I've been knocked in my ass for the last day and a half. Good thing I recovered some energy right before we were going to record this. And don't forget, people, this is the X Button Podcast, our gaming podcast that posts every Wednesday from 10 a.m. onwards, God willing, available in the YouTube channel, the Escape Media, as well as most audio services around the world. Think Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the like. You can find links in the RSS feed at anchor.fm slash escape media. If you enjoy our show, give us a like and subscribe. So now, Paul, tell me some war stories. What's been going on with Elden Ring? My dude, I have traveled the heights of Mount Olympus and the depths of hell. Um, quite literally, I think, because I passed like these Viking characters that mm -hmm. are in like a Valhalla world and some of them are like spirits like in skyrim huh. and they all want to kill me but like if i'm not involved in them they're like super peaceful some of them are singing uh some of them are herding sheep and they'll just like walk around the area and the skybox is like what you saw with that um the purple stars in mm -hmm. the sky and stuff but it's like way more open um as in like its own area and that was just crazy to experience walking through like their version of heaven of sorts mm -hmm. and then uh you fast travel to a space just a little to the right and it's like this literal blood hell dimension oh yes yeah caleb um, yes that is no 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 it's not caleb <laughs> really it's another another one that oh. is even worse oh it no is literally the rocks are bleeding 
um, alongside the mountains and stuff. And like, there's blood lakes that you run alongside. And uh, there was this dude that cast a spell and it summoned a giant ethereal skeleton that fired lasers out of its eyes. Oh no. I kid you not. <laughs> this is the, like, I'm still not strong enough to handle things there. And I'm level like 90 something. Wow. Um, wow. <laughs> I, uh, granted, I am like mostly intelligence build, so I'm like a magic knight mm -hmm. with like a little bit of stealth. I mean, uh, strength, and um, I'm just going through with a staff in one hand and a sword in the other, like Gandalf, mm -hmm. and uh, taking dudes out. I'll summon like the Virgil swords above my head, and they like take out dudes while I'm fighting somebody else. My uh, mystical ashes summon a mimic version of myself. Uh huh. <laughs> it's like a blob that drops to the ground and then it forms into whatever you have equipped at the time and then it goes off and it acts like an NPC where it does dodge rolls and jumps and attacks and stuff and he can do spells and it's crazy <laughs> so and it's I'll not even that. and it's not even the same story you told me last week that's the beauty of Elden Ring exactly yeah it's like just it's nuts new um, stories every week or day I, I summoned it and I fought the tree sentinel but there were two of them does he come back because the tree sentinel is at the beginning yeah uh there's a there's another area where there's two of them and they Ooh. both attack you and so i summoned the mimic and he was taking one and i was taking the other and it was the coolest thing in the world um and i killed it in one shot actually or that's one, awesome one try and uh there's like just these giant stone golems there's actually um in i've seen in caleb there's like dead skeleton giants like mm -hmm. buried into the mountainside and uh my goodness um i'm doing the the weird witch's quest of like the with the giant white hat that gives you your spirit ashes in the first place mm -hmm. and i'm having to do a guide for that and it's uh it's very convoluted it's very confusing but um it's it's crazy i can't I, wait to get back to it i haven't been playing elden ring because i'm kind of glad that you're actually you stopped before things got really nuts uh -huh. and you went back to dark souls because now i'm like man i don't know if i could go back to it because elden ring has built up mm -hmm. so much excuse me and um it's just added so much quality of life. It's added so many options and literally just the jump button by itself. Mm -hmm. Oh yes. <laughs> is a godsend. Cause there was entire parts of the map of all the dark souls where there's like this little calf high mm -hmm. that you think you can jump and you can't, can't. <laughs> get over it. Um, and it, it just, it drove me nuts, but places like in Orlando that I know you can go mm -hmm. through and I'm going to let <laughs> uh, you have the reins in a second and talk about all that. That's probably one of my favorite areas in the whole game, honestly. Oh yeah. It's like it's striking. Like creepy. Um, like you can see where they got the idea for Bloodborne because mm -hmm. it's like this desolate castle. Literally. It but about, whereas in Bloodborne it's like creepy and decrepit. It's, right. uh, there are, Arlo, Arlo, Dono, I, let's call it orlando because thanks zach for that um, I know, right? yeah it's like it's so beautiful gold and like immense and, and striking when you get yeah. there compared to how decrepit the rest of the game is but yeah it's like the opposite of then what jarnham is in bloodborne mm -hmm. but it was funny because we were talking about this um yesterday this is a game that for some reason i can't stop 
I cannot stop playing Dark Souls. What just started as me being like, what would it be like to go back to Dark Souls after experiencing Elden Ring? Because I just happened to have it installed on my extended hard drive because it's just eight gigs. And then I kept going. Gosh, really? Yeah, oh, it's that small. Yeah. And it I, was a 360 and PS3 game, but it yeah. looks good. No, it, the remaster they did for that is I'm surprised how how much uh, because I was looking back at some 360 footage is like I'm surprised how much the remaster has kept a lot of the original art while still making it as good as it can possibly be for a game that's from 2011. Right. This is straight up Stockholm syndrome for me right now that I've reached a couple pain points now. When I reached Blighttown, which is notorious, I kind of mentioned I, I kind of briefly mentioned it last week, but by the time I arrived to Blighttown, I was like. Yeah, I think this will be my stop. This seems too much. These fat guys are like tossing me out of the this decrepit scramble, uh, scramble like surfaces. Um, this uh, vampire style dudes are like just like sucking me. Like they, they jump at you and they just start sucking. I was like, yep. yeah, this is starting to seem a little too hard. I think this may be my stop. And then the next day I try again, pass it, reach, uh, find a checkpoint. I'm, it always feels like whenever you find one of the bonfires, that's like your yeah. that's your breakthrough. It's like, You're oh like, yeah, yes, yes, and they wants you true checkpoint. It, it wants you to keep on going, and I remember it's like, okay, I'm kind of making Blighttown my own. Like I'm getting it. I I become the master of parrying in that game, which parrying is super which tough is to do. Surprising because it is so hard to do because it's different for each enemy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it's all you, you can nail it if if any enemy has like this kind of arc when it's coming that's when you do it you don't try to do it anywhere else i kind of finally studied which ones you can do it and which ones you can't huh. so i started doing it i went back to the swamps that are like all poison but i found a couple of cool armor that helped me go through the poison then i went into this like spider place where i find this like fire spider with a breast bare breasted lady i beat it in one thing yeah. i beat it in one go oh two yes and then finally, like rang, rang the second bell, went back to the, to the to the main area and realized that bonfire is not working there anymore, and I don't know why. And uh, it opened this the sense keep, this place with this serpents oh, dudes. That yeah. was another point that I was like, I think I'm gonna lose it here. This is way too much. The traps all over the place. This like magical snakes. Those snakes that can attack you with their face and the yep, long they can, swords. Like, jump at you with the head. Yes, and then uh, reaching the top where there's like three golems, one that throws like big bombs and then big rocks, and then you find like a metal golem that once like grabbed me and then threw me out of the world and completely killed me and it made me start the whole sand keep again. It was a lot of, man, this is too much. Will I be able to? But there's something about Dark Souls that when, when you've gone this far, you just don't want to quit it. It feels like once you just, you just don't want to let it go. Because you're like, I made it this far. Come on. And yesterday I had another moment where I was like, I'm going to look a guide. I want to see how far away. And then I'm like, oh my God. Do I really have to do all this much? Because apparently uh, after a certain point, this is what I read. That there in, in Orlando, you find one of the big gods that is at the intro video. And then you have to kind of investigate all over the place to find other gods that you kill. So then, like you put the press the, the essence, so you can then fight the final boss, which is Gwynth. That that Zeus-looking right. thing that destroyed dragons at the beginning of the game. Reading all of that, I'm like, okay, I made it this far. I still have a lot of game because I have other games that I want to play. Do I really want to keep going? 
I went to bed with that feeling, and I woke up today and be like, I'm gonna try it. I'm gonna try it. It's like, it's, I can get it out of my head. Like, Dark Souls is like dominating. It's a, it is. it's one of those shame games of, I knew Dark Souls was popular in its niche, but I always knew it was a niche, and everyone always called it so incredibly hard, blah, blah, blah. Here's what I've learned, though. Even though Dark Souls games are hard, once you understand them, yeah, it, it almost, almost makes you feel like sometimes it feels like, you have a group of elitist people that they just want to seem cooler than others. And no, this is just for us. And then, and then I realized, no, it's like everyone can, you just have to understand Souls games. And once you understand them, even they have their difficulty spikes, they're still manageable. Yep. And if you're willing to be deliberate, that was my thing that since Bloodborne was my first one, Bloodborne is the only one that really encourages a non-deliberate style of play because it's all about for, forward attacking because you recover your health if you're constantly attacking. So the when the souls games are more about being delivered especially if you're a shield and guy a sword and shield guy like i am that is a be delivered always have your shield up wait for the right moment to attack get into the right angle put your sword in both hands and take a couple swings move out and it's like it really finally getting into the mindset when i used to be so no i just want to get this done i use my axe the long axe that you can have in bloodborne that you do like the circle attack to get as much dps as possible just to kind of get it done. And then I realized, man, I think I'm curious about going back to Bloodborne with a different mentality. Ooh. But, and, and that's the thing. I say Dark Souls is just, um, it's incredible. I never expected 2022 to be the year that I got Dark Souls. And I played other ones. I played two briefly through PS Now. Didn't go, couldn't get out of the initial phase. I was like, yeah, I don't think this is for there's, me. There's a lot of people that bounced off that one. So I wouldn't say don't feel too bad about that. Yes. Then three. Also was initially hard, but beating one really hard, almost lion shielded guy at the beginning and then beating him. Yeah. That was the moment where that one clicked for a little bit and I started going there until I reached these catacombs with all the skeletons that that's where I oh. broke uh, that, that's where I broke off in Dark Souls 3. So Bloodborne was the only one that I really stuck to it because its setting really enchanted me. Because it's rare to see that kind of gothic video game. Which We've kind of gotten another one in that kind of style, but in a more parodic way. But and then Sekiro was one that it just completely body slammed the body slammed me. That I was like, yeah, this one's too much. It, was, it requires too much about you having the perfect pairing. And I'm like, yeah, no, that one. That's that. That's the quickest I dropped one of these. But yeah, this first Dark Souls game. I considering all the new games. That's so funny. This happened with all these new games, and it just happened because I was just curious how it would feel. To go to that one, so you got I got your latest hyper fixation. Yes, and now it's like I see all these videos of cool stuff happening in Elden Ring. I hear your war stories. I see videos of PJ attempting it, and because he's playing the PC version, he's oh having a gosh. more glitch experience than I. And he's still loving. And that's a funny thing. He doesn't like Souls game, and he's enjoying it. So oh, that's good because I didn't actually hear that part. I just saw he was he tweeted like, it. <laughs> losing his mind from glitching the heck out. Yeah, because oh, the because I, like, I saw I was like the enemies would like pop late. So that's the problem. Is like that PC version, even though PC, I told him it's like the PC community is how Dark Souls has grown because this used to be niche games. Yep. The, the PC community with the constant sales and people going to them, it feels like that's what has allowed this year, the, the Souls genre to kind of slowly grow until we reach that this point. So, and there's something, if PG found enjoyment out of Elden Ring, it means the new style, even though it's still a Dark Souls game to the heart, is clicking with people. And I keep telling people, it's like, Dark Souls only clicked with me until I clicked with Elden Ring and brought that back. That's made Dark Souls so much easier to, like, stomach.
it's uh and i mean uh this is the fact that elden ring like streamlined everything so perfectly that even one of my friends who i just spoke to um on sunday who never plays anything outside of call of duty has been obsessed with elden ring and so is all of his friends and they were like working this race and uh mm -hmm. i was uh he's like hey man you've been playing that elden ring i was like yeah yes. we like him and he's like yo jeff was playing it too and the guy over there he's like this game broke through this game like it's the kind of game that your moms that your grandmas that only watch like fox news or cnn's or just yeah. those things that these are just in the mainstream it has broken through in a yeah, way that i never expected it this is the new skyrim skyrim was it, the last game in that so happy yeah and uh, i'm glad i got to experience it because i experienced skyrim at the time but i had a ps3 version and the ps3 version was notoriously bad and it broke for me and it never went back so yep one day but... because we got starfield coming but but now thing you're part of the zeitgeist, man. Yes. You, you're finally in it. Yes, but there's also part of another zeitgeist. The game that came out also this weekend. One of the biggest crow-eating moments that I've been waiting since that demo in September. You played, and I told you, you had to play it here, and you were refusing. And Dude. you finally did it. I did. You actually enjoy Stranger of Paradise now. <laughs> feel like i'm being shamed on yeah. live television <laughs> um let me give my caveats first mm -hmm. and i'll just get the housekeeping out of the way this game looks like crap yeah um yeah this this game's story makes no, no sense, sense. <laughs> but dang it's so fun <laughs> Um, and you realize that 45 minutes have passed and you ran through this cave system just wiping the floor with pirates mm -hmm. and you've got a giant samurai sword on your back and you just keep getting to sheath and uh -huh. draw it without any backtracking or um, uh, whatever the word is the, mm -hmm. the problem of actually like you don't use ammo or magic or anything because I mean I've just been playing Elden Ring where mm -hmm. all the cool stuff is Runs held out. behind uh -huh. like the weapon arts and such but you don't have to worry about that you just get to hold it down and then i took off like the main pirate boss's like half of his health in one mm -hmm. swing and it felt so nice um and again and, because you played it on the story slash casual slash easy yeah, difficulty right which there was doesn't... a story mode and action casual mm -hmm. on top of it yes um, that makes it even easier if you just want right. to kind of not worry too I, much I did not want to worry at all about that game because I, I am glad that I played some of that demo before and I realized that it was throwing so much at me and I just wasn't in a place to be mm -hmm. like, all right, I'm sitting down to learn a new mechanic system because usually demos don't worry about that. They're like, hey, mm -hmm. just go have fun, play a little bit of the game. But then they're like, hey, we're going to throw literally the first like three hours of the game at you. Mm -hmm. And I, I bounced off so hard because I was like, I don't want to learn these Kingdom Hearts style menus right mm -hmm. now. This freaking the, the Japanese developing companies need to dial in the ability to use a tutorial without throwing 50 pages of information yeah. at you. <laughs> it's too much sometimes. Ironically, since I just talked about how well Elden Ring teaches you how to play the game, mm -hmm. <laughs> which is also a Japanese studio. Well, but they're so more am, minimal. That's the thing. Ja Elden are, Ring is um, more, we're only going to mention some things. Go figure it out. Go. Right. Yeah, for the most part, JRPGs in general, I know I oversimplifies, but that 
sort of pseudo genre holds true where they they will sit there for about five hours i mean i'll remember how notorious final fantasy 13 was still giving me tutorials like 20 plus hours through the game like why are we adding more mechanics yeah. onto what i already know because remember final fantasy 13 waited 40 hours before he let you open it was just for a 40 hour one long corridor yep <laughs> sad um but then i still think about how funny it is that final fantasy 15 is basically exactly final fantasy 13 in reverse yeah wide and, open uh, and then and then it really funnels you and i was like man it really matters throwing that at the consumer first mm -hmm. and then you can be as lim limited and linear as you want because everyone thinks oh this is where it's getting serious yeah and not only yes. that they only did that because they wanted to get that game out the door remember it was know, announced in 2006 and it <laughs> was rebooted <laughs> um but it yeah, makes it feel it, it makes it feel intentional that is like you got that open world and then it's getting yeah. serious you don't hit and always give me the option you can always go back if you want to keep exploring because there's so much you can do in that open world right. but if you really want to get the story, just nail it here. Mm -hmm. But screw chapter they, thirteen. Uh, surprisingly, respect it. But um, yeah, there's there's a lot of problems. But I will say it's one of the few games that definitely made me cry mm -hmm. uh, at the end of it. That that campfire and that mm -hmm. ending scene. Ooh, it still ruins Stand By Me to this day to me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, we'll get back into this, the subject. Stranger of Paradise. Um, I want to mention the absurdness of it. I, How they I, met, how the three meet, is the funniest thing. I, they're just like, <laughs> I know nothing except I must kill Let's chaos. chaos. Us, Us too. too. <laughs> it's the, um, I think it's, the, is, is it the Will Ferrell meme? I was like, are we suddenly best friends? Or is it yeah, basically. <laughs> it's that. Uh, that is the stepbrothers meme. Holy smokes. You and got to witness the Limp Biscuit scene? The like, Limp Biscuit scene? Yeah. I, I adored that where she was talking i i didn't recognize it at first because i didn't beat Kaya or uh -huh. you didn't beat it yeah you, you didn't beat it last um, time because you were, you got so angry at it that you just dropped it because i mean it was it was really hard to fight that boss on that difficulty hmm. and i went through and i was like wow it really is just they give you so much in the casual story mode and just the next difficulty up it is you need to parry you need to deflect things mm -hmm. you need to dodge this ice move or you are done in one shot and um and that was kind of shocking i feel like there should be a little bit of a somewhere in between those yeah two. It, you could make the argument that it doesn't seem too balanced because the easy version it like fulfills the fantasy of i want to kill chaos and then you play Absolutely. it in normal there's like it takes longer to start to stagger people you die quicker it feels like it demands a level of seriousness that i don't feel this game deserves in a way this game doesn't deserve to be taken seriously this game deserves to Not be enjoyed so that's why I immediately, I was so glad that I immediately went to that one. Knowing before, I was like, I'm not a Souls guy. I kind of am now, but I kind of just want to take the Souls, actual Souls game, the Migasaki game, seriously. Other ones, if they give me the opportunity to play it in easy, I'm going to do that. I don't need that kind of hard difficulty too often in my games. But then, yeah, go ahead. You kept watching that scene. <laughs> um, yeah, so I was watching it, and then I realized what moment it was, and I got really, like, visibly excited because I was just like, oh, shoot, so this really dumb exposition belt is going to have the best punchline in the world now. Mm -hmm. um, and sure enough, it's like 
the more serious everyone else takes themselves, the better it plays almost like a comedy mm -hmm. where his reactions are without fail the funniest and dumbest thing that I've ever seen where I'm like, this is absolutely 13-year-old Paul <laughs> role-playing as an edgelord in a Final Fantasy game because the video, exactly how I would have The reacted. video I showed you yesterday? The one with the... That is, I was driving and I opened that up to this creepy, really well-designed purple skeleton soul uh -huh. dude shouting about how he's Dream. like the greatest in the world and whatever. And he's like, I am. And then he and quick, quick cut to Jack shouting, I don't give an F who you are and punching him in the face. Oh, oh my. I, I was cackling in the middle of the interstate oh my gosh it's so perfect because it's so anime the quick cut it's so anime it is, <laughs> it is such a oh my gosh this is like the equivalent of hitting the skip button in an rpg to jump in and your dialogue choice and just oh it 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 healed my soul yeah um, it, and, and that's the thing like because i remember when we first saw this trailer because the very first one the one you absolutely hated it back yeah. in a3 it made it seem that he was just taking itself so seriously oh, yeah. that it became like funny to us. It's like, man, look how serious. But then the Limbiscuit one came out. And now we've known the, him listening to I Did It My Way by Frank Sinatra. It's like, you know, this game, like, it needed to do what it needed to do, which was it needed to be in on the joke while also being earnest about it, having playing both sides. And I man. think that's what made it, makes it work. And it's so stupid that it works. It's like, it's rare for me to like be because I this has like a 73 on Metacritic right now. It's like that's perfect for this game, and I'm excited. It is kind that kind of game. To be, yeah. yeah, it's that kind of game because it has that stupidity that crosses the level of stupidity. It's like, no, we have to experience this. And in the difficulty we're playing, it's so much fun. It's cathartic. It's like you're just blowing through the thing. The fact that yeah. the gameplay is what holds it together is definitely where it needs to be with that because you have something like say crisis core final fantasy 7 mm -hmm. which is it takes itself very seriously and i would say the gameplay might be the weakest part of it mm -hmm. um even though it's very fun it's it's i mean obviously dated but the fact that it's just dodge hit and then random rng happening periodically through the fight um is not a good system mm -hmm. but then the fact that everything else about it is so great and this is like the opposite of that where the gameplay is really solid and everything else is super dumb mm -hmm. but because you can make fun of it yes it makes it more palatable especially when you have those exposition dumps because you know at the end of it all there's going to be some really cheesy one-liner that is going to wrap it all up in a nice yeah. clean little bow <laughs> and it's going to make me smile yes and that's the thing every time i play this game as bad as so many parts of it are like the visuals are in defense like in-game visuals are indefensible oh, it's it's, it's like it's a, it's definitely out of the ps3 era of like operas it feels it feels that old it, it looks as muddy and gray and brown as all of those games used to look but that's a funny is. thing the things that in the first trailer were muddy and gray and brown they have had a color filter being put on top of it so <laughs> yeah i i will agree the color huh? is way more improved hmm. like the lighting 
the really cool glowing effects of things has been fantastic, especially like that crystal cave that I was running through and stuff. Mm -hmm. and I was like, okay, this is kind of nice and stuff, but it's just the fact that like, like the resolution, the the tearing mm -hmm. with like all of the weird textures and the mm -hmm. jagged edges. Yeah, it's um, just a lower. It just has a resolution problem because yeah, when it, you're it in, feels some... like they can fix that. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And wonder if they will, uh, because they've improved it from demo to demo. The cutscenes, though. Not the in-game cutscenes, the actual like actual CG cutscenes. Yes, those they do look, look good. good. They look they look good. Like at the I, very beginning of the game, where oh yeah, it's, the, it's like that flash forward, ripping up those dudes. Uh huh. Yes, and um, then the scene after where you're in like a futuristic place that has like this big monster before it flashes you back. Yeah. That place, I'm like, oh, okay, this looks kind of nice. And then you go to the field, it's like, yeah, it, it, this game still has that resolution problem yeah. that has like low res here, high res here. Yeah. At least and the performance, it at least it's smooth enough that it, it, it works. It's not, it, it's, it's I would not say a... it's smoother than Elden Ring at times. Yeah. Um, <laughs> in gameplay, of all things, who would have mm -hmm. thought that was going to happen? Which exactly. I do want to briefly say that freaking Bandai Namco, fix your, fix, fix your freaking game, guys. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you'd be Porky Pig for the second. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, the tech issues, the stuttering. The, the it's getting worse. It's, it's gotten worse as you as far as you're gone because um, oh it was yeah, fine was, initially, but I can I can look past it sometimes. But every once in a while, I'll be turning around, trying to run and turn back really quick, and it'll like kind of jump the way it does, um, mm -hmm. where it's like my character is fine and everything else is slower, or like it moves at the same speed but it can't keep up with the smoothness. So mm -hmm. I just wanted to mention that side of it because i forgot to earlier yeah <laughs> they need to really put some patches into that game because i don't think it deserves a 10 until mm -hmm. they get the tech side of it fixed i mean it's like not breaking people's stuff but it's like deleting saves and is it really um, well it, it, oh, uh, it was yeah the... it was it was initially yeah yeah so i mean if they fix that then that's good at least yeah they but, fixed um... that within the first two days but it was a problem that was one of the reasons why after i that it, I mentioned it with the first time we talked about Elden Ring when we were playing yeah. after I got turned off by my samurai playthrough and then I saw it I was like I'm gonna wait because I'm yeah. like this seems like too much and then by that Sunday it was fixed but yeah it's not the smoothest it's worse on PC but um, Which I can't even imagine trying to play that I remember when I got a PC and I was like oh thank god I spent several thousands of dollars so that all of my games will always play perfectly every time and then I realized after that but that's not how that works at all. No, that's what's funny. It's like the in occasions PC does that. In other occasions, a bad PC port doesn't. Look at Arkham Knight. It works just now. About to say that. Yes, yeah. but the that initial Arkham the worst. Yeah, the, the the initial release of Arkham Knight on PC was worse than on PS4 and Xbox One. That's like, yeah. that shouldn't be the thing. The Dishonored 2 was worse on PC than it was on console. It works now. I believe that. Uh, that was Deathloop, also one yeah, that wasn't recent. on PC, um, and I mean several others. I'm sure there's millions of options for that. Uh, Forza Horizon 5 was having some problems on PC as well. But yeah, anyway. if you didn't have the right drivers, but yeah, back to Stranger of Paradise. It's like, yeah. I'm glad that they released that demo when they did after we did the State of Play, just to that allowed you. To, it confirmed what I mentioned in the show that I was gonna look after afterwards that it carried the save forward. Unfortunately, you 
had to play it in your own profile instead of downloading the. Think of it yes. until after I'd almost finished, and I went, "Shoot, I'm not even going to be able to benefit from any of this work." Mm -hmm. Ah, so I'll just have to redo all that part of the game. But hey, I mean, maybe I can get a really fresh look on mm -hmm. if there were any updates since then. Yeah. Um, which I mean, I doubt with it being that late, but. Mm -hmm. I mean, hey, it's extra here and there. It, it, it might give you a better perspective by maybe trying other classes while you're going because you have so many classes that you can pick in the fly and experiment I, as you go there. So. I'm shocked because usually I am Mr. Um, return to monkey form and take the biggest sword I can and just mash the attack button mm -hmm. until I win. But this one, I realized that um, a lot of the depth is not from that first class you initially have. Yeah. And it is all about uh, the mage class, even the the double daggers, mm -hmm. and then the samurai one that I picked up after that was like the oh, Ronin. So this is mm -hmm. really fun now. Um, and then I understood now like how to really like keep equipped stuff for those specific classes mm -hmm. and jumping between them. Do you know if it's supposed to stay just two that you can switch between, or will you be I, able to jump? I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if they give you more, but as of right now, I only know there's always the two classes that you can swap all the time. Okay, because what bugs me right now is if I want to go back to one of those previous things, I have to re-equip those armor pieces, mm -hmm. I think. Instead no, of, actually, oh, no. no. It, it, they, it? It, it saves your armor pieces that you had. Oh, as long as you don't, as long as you don't sell or dismantle or drop those armor pieces, when you reach switch right. classes, it's gonna have that that you had in your build. Okay, which I'm glad that at least it tells you if it's being used um, by like another character or by another class. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I can see that also kind of getting overwhelming after a while once you have like as you just play for a little bit and you all of a sudden have 20 pieces of armor in every mm -hmm. slot and you're like, oh, it gets crap, worse. I gotta see all of the stat boosts yeah. of each one. What I do, what I do is that I keep at least uh, for the because you can arrange it from levels. You can get a level one, two, three, four oh, stuff. Good, yeah. So you, you press R3 and you can get a different level. So I leave at least three levels top and then discard the bottom. Okay. So it doesn't get too much because it can, it, this this does have the Neo problem because this is made by yeah. the Neo people that that game had almost too much loot compared yeah. to Dark Souls that it's few loot, few but meaningful loot that you can find. So yeah. it has those problems that I could mention. It's like I always knew this game was never gonna be like an excellent great game but i always knew that it was always gonna be a great time i can see its flaws i see some of the reviews but this is the kind of thing that when you know something's gonna be dumb and people review it and say it's dumb then you're like you're telling me exactly what i wanted out of this and it's exactly yeah. that what to me it's so hilarious is seeing our trajectory of seeing that june 13 trailer and you're oh, dis you're disdain for that i and just did not like it yeah. <laughs> it was like well just like you said i think you said it the best where they didn't think they were in on the joke at the mm -hmm. time um yeah. and they were taking it way too seriously at all times and it felt like um so there was this game called hatred that came out a few years ago uh, i remember it was basically <laughs> serial killer simulator um and it was like i remember he was like wearing the trench coat and he's like i freaking hate everyone and it cuts them like bloody killing everyone and stuff i was like what is this and that's mm -hmm. what i thought it was at first because it was just angry man kills things the video and that's what it presented itself and it didn't look good then it's much yeah. improved in every subsequent showing so to me like why i always kept it in our conversations and always trolling you was because of that initial yes because to me 
it was shocking that the people, because remember, that game launched immediately with a demo that was busted, that it didn't work, so that was hilarious. And you didn't want to play it, even though you were the only one with the PS5 at the time. I was like, you got homework, and you're like, nah, I'm going to stay in my hate train. Then yep. I started seeing people like skill up, and others being like, this game is really fun. It looks like ass, but it's really fun. So I was like, oh no, people actually like this. So... <laughs> And then until I got to try the demo myself with the second one that they released after TGS that came with the Limbiscuit scene when I saw it that morning and I could not believe it. I was like, wow, this is in the joke now. This is in on the joke. So I'm glad you sent that to me because I was the only way that I was going to find it unless I found it on Twitter or something. Uh -huh. And when I saw that, I went, oh, so this is like meme material. Yes, it's meme material. <laughs> so then... I was like, okay, well, maybe I'll at least watch parts of it. And then it wasn't until really enjoying the gameplay this round that I'm like, I could I could play a little while of this and just kind of tune out parts. And, of the story. and and that's the thing you said that, and then I send you the uh, the the other clip of him like running and yep. punching. That's the one. <laughs> and that that was like, yeah, okay, that seals yeah. it. I gotta yeah. I gotta see this I gotta train wreck for myself. <laughs> oh, uh, but yeah, it's um. That's just what I did this week. Um, did mm. you play anything else? Just briefly, other times at GTA 5, PS5 version finally came out, also at the same time as Stranger of Paradise. So I installed it, 86 gigs, by the way. So if you don't have space in your PS5, consider that. I mean, what is it at now? It's like, it's definitely over 100 on the PS4, right? Yeah. It's like huge. Yeah, so at least this is a little bit smaller. But it's still big. I mean, it's kind of like the same size as Horizon, which Horizon surprised me how big it was as a PS5 file. It is still the 2013 game. I played the campaign. I didn't touch GTA Online. I played through the initial section, initial highs, and then the driving around with Franklin. It looks much improved. This is uh, when I played the PS4 version in 2014, less than a year after I did the PS3 version. I was like, Yes, I can see where this looks a little bit better, at least on my TV, I'm not seeing the improvements. Uh, I, I I told you the story, I was so burnt out on GTA 5 on PS3 when I like devoured it in that fall break because I didn't want to let it go. out on the campaign, honestly. Yeah, <laughs> I not... can't touch that campaign. Yeah, so, and that's the thing, Like I was. It took this long for me to even touch it again. Yeah. Nine years, so now it's like, I tell you, playing a GTA at 60 frames, transformative. Gunplay in GTA games, it has gotten progressively better, but it's never been really great. It's been functional. Now, it's especially playing it, and I played it on performance ray tracing. So, the frame rate seems smooth enough, and getting to see some of the ray tracing reflections, I was like, okay, I'm seeing how this is looking better. It feels like it's playing better. It feels like something that whenever I have the time, based on the million different things that I'm juggling now, it seems like something I, I wouldn't mind touching again. So... And considering it only cost me 10 bucks because the, the PlayStation side got a good deal out of it. You got to pay 30 over an Xbox. I feel sorry for you guys. So it is improved. I will say this. This made me more desire, like have bigger desire for Rockstar to do that for Red Dead 2. Give us Red Dead 2 at 60 frames with a higher resolution than what you can get on PS5. That game still looks beautiful just in back and pat, but imagine... Just imagine that beauty being given an extra, like, oh, a native absolutely. port. Because now, I'd I much prefer why. Red Dead. I could have sworn that there was... Is it not 60 no. on Red Dead 2 now? No, that's what's funny. It's like, it's a Red Dead has the Death Stranding, the original Death Stranding thing of... It's a lock 30 with yeah. such great motion blur. It makes you feel like you're playing 
a 60 frames per second game. That's true, huh? And, and also Horizon Forbidden West has that. I was actually toying with it uh, sometime, just briefly last week, but I can tell you I haven't... I have completely disdained Horizon at no fault of its own. I've just been, I a, I just been at, in Dark Souls land right now. But while I was playing in Resolution, my brother, he looks at it and he's like, so you're playing on 60? I was like, no, I'm playing at 30. And he's the 240 frames a second guy, which got him. So got him. So that's why I told him. It's like sometimes <laughs> uh, there are some games at 30 that don't feel good. I actually tried the yep. 30 frames mode. That's fidelity mode here. I was like, not liking. No, I'm staying in performance here. And the same thing happened to me with when I tried Cyberpunk. It had a 30 frames per second mode with Raytrace. So I was like, this feels so heavy. This doesn't feel fun. I'm just staying at performance. So some games nail 30. Others don't. The ones that don't, you might as well stick with 60. So, and then really brief, um, I was listening to old podcasts from like 2020, just as a time capsules, because I've been like, let's not forget, is this today's the 15th, the Ides of March, people. Um, Ides for, of March. Yes. Watch out for any uh, Brutus people. Toga man <laughs> running around out yes. there. Yes. Four days ago, two years ago was my lockdown. Two, two days ago was yours for the United States. Yep. As I said, uh, March 13 was the lockdowns for everyone. So I've been kind of like listening to all podcasts of people downplaying COVID and all that. And just thinking, oh man, y'all comments, including mine, when we were doing the show at the time, those didn't age well. And at that one of those podcasts, they mentioned DC Universe Online. And I was like, all right. I remember I was playing DC Universe Online briefly around that time and then stopped. I'll reinstall it because I was like, I want to see how this works on PS5. And then I log in and I realize, wait, where are all the episodes that you could buy? Because... There was like, there's a main campaign for you to reach level 30 and then the post-game content of all the episodes, that's the basically DLC packs, they released in the 10 years that game has been in existence. They, uh, apparently sometime last year, I didn't notice, uh, Daybreak, the developer, were like, people were going fully free to play, at least for the content. All 40 plus episodes we released so far, they're gonna be free. And everything we release from now on is gonna be free. So I was like, you mother effers. You was like, DC Universe Online is like, I love the DC Universe and the idea of existing there, even though it, that game has like 2011 MMO jank to it. That's still acceptable to me as someone that even till this day can play Marvel Ultimate Alliance from 2006 and enjoy it. Because it kind of has kind of that floaty, not connect, kinetic connecting combat. It's more like floating that's just like swinging at an enemy and then health bar still going down and has a little bit of combo. I tolerate that. So... But I always had that problem of like, whenever I reach 30, do I want to buy every episode individually as I go along or pay the membership that unlocks all of that? But now it's still open. So there is a, supposedly they're doing a graphical overhaul sometime next year. It was supposed to come out late last year and then they delayed it. So I still, to me, that game doesn't look great. It doesn't look bad to me. So it's like, I can see some. I can see myself if I need a podcast game to just keep popping here because now I have all this content ahead of me. That's adapting so many DC stories that I've read: Crisis and Infinite Earths, the um, Blackest Night, the uh, Dark Dark Knight Metal, Flashpoint. It had they have done all of these kind of stories as DLC. So it's like huh. we don't have games like that. So if at least I can get in like an MMO sort of environment, heck yeah, I'd, I'd be down. So. Yeah, that's all I've been playing, Paul. We spent a lot of time there, so we got yeah. yes, but 
I would say we've been enjoying our time playing. So we, we have. Um, it's been fun, but let's uh, let's get into the meat of everything. Yes, we got seven news stories ahead of us. So Paul, press X for some news. All right, Paul, let's dive in. This is something that started breaking late last night or two days ago. More info started coming out today. So. Xbox, you're under the microscope right now. While Xbox has surely enjoyed some good, positive PR following their great fall 2021 and the potential of their Activision Blizzard future acquisition, the truth is the company still has fundamental problems they still need to address when it comes to in-house development. According to Video Games Chronicle, they know that Microsoft owns Studio The Initiative, which opened in 2018 with an initial goal of being a studio for quadruple-A quality experiences, and known to be working on a Perfect Dark reboot since December 2020, has not had the smoothest ride. First, they lost their creative director Drew Murray two months after the game's reveal. He went back to Insomniac. Then, late in 2021, it was revealed they brought in Square Enix-owned Avenger-slash-Tomb Raider developer Crystal Dynamics to assist in development. And now, it's been revealed the studio has been suffering some sort of attrition, where they have had significant departures over the last 12 months. 12 months? where close to 34 staff members in senior high-level positions have resigned over a lack of creative autonomy and a slow development process. While previously the ever-reliable Jeff Grubb said the game was on target to hit 2023 and Crystal Dynamics was brought in to push the project to the finish line, VGC notes this massive studio turnover for what's been an essentially small team over at the initiative may have triggered a soft reboot of the project, so expect Perfect Dark to still be years away. So... Back in November, we heard, it was actually in December, we heard about Crystal Dynamics joining. And that's when I was like, man, is something going there that you have to bring in a third party that you don't even own to push this you thing? Told us about it, but the fact that we thought it was coming over the finish line, because that was like the specific phrasing that mm -hmm. they used where they were like, oh, this is what they brought in just to finish it up and all that stuff. We were like, okay, that's kind of sucks, but. Yeah, Let's see, and, uh, it may, and, it may, and it made sense because one of the heads of the initiative, Darren Gallagher, he used to be a head over at Square Enix when he worked on Tomb Raider, yeah. the original reboot. So that's why I was like, yeah, that makes sense. He's bringing a team that he's worked with before. Microsoft has had some relationship with Crystal Dynamics. I mean, Rise of the Tomb Raider originally was an Xbox exclusive for a year. So it's not like they're just bringing anyone. They bring someone that they worked yeah. closely before. And we've but, established that... Um communication is way more important than raw talent because mm -hmm. I, I i don't know why the specific studio is c coming up blank for me but just resources thrown at a problem does not make a good game yeah um but yeah what are you gonna say to me it's like just knowing that they've lost this many members in a 12 month span other than the other ones that they had lost it's like it really to me is like i gotta give it to xbox i mean like they have sure played the pr game so good they have a lot of people rooting for them. They played the um, Game Pass is such an incredible deal that them plucking in third party like day one releases there like in key moments has like really hidden the fact that where the hell are the games? Obviously, Halo Infinite finally came out after. And even then when that ship landed, that ship barely landed. They still don't have co-op. They still don't have uh, Forge. That has been like further delayed. And even the thing, like, the, the shine of that campaign has, like, smothered itself a, bit, a little bit. Because remember, I enjoyed that. And that was one oh, of my... Did. Yeah. And that was one of my favorite games of 2021. Obviously, a year that we were scraping the barrels, trying to find, like, two truly defining experiences. But... I know, right? 
Yes, but then like now that I've been removed, I kind of like in your same boat. It's like, yeah, the more I think about that campaign, I don't remember much about it. I remember having fun playing it, but yep. it's like, it's, I don't remember some set pieces. I remember that one time where you can ride the tank into one of the final areas. That's it. And uh, the final boss battle, I'm seeing some of the Halo 5 addressing of the story. I remember, but that was still just standing in front of holograms. So it's like, at that, I feel that game got a little bit of a bump because a lot of people didn't like Halo 5. And also yeah. the initial disastrous reveal of the campaign with uh, Craig the Brute. Remember that? So, mm-hmm. when you, you come from that, everything will just seem better than it was. And that game was fun to play. But now that we're here, it's like I'm one of the uh, YouTube content creators that I follow. That he's he's like a comedian, but he's very into Halo. He's working on a video say how Halo Infinite effed up. He's working on that. He's working on that video after he did one that's that was like uh, make Halo great again. And then be like Halo Infinite is finally back to. And then he did another one. It was like Halo Halo is finally back. Because he was a big oh. Halo 3 fan. It's like, that's the sentiment. You're in a long-ass season. They delayed the first season until, like, May. And now when May, the second season May launches, they're like, co-op, which we said was going to launch in, in May 2nd. It's not going to launch now. It's going to launch later. And then Forge, the one thing the community wanted, because that's what sustains your game, because that's giving tools people to make maps. That's yep. still not ready. It's like, they should have just delayed this game. They should have... They piece me, yeah. It's they they obviously they just put it out on twenty twenty one just to not just save face of being like I think so. Yeah, because they're like they were gonna release that thing at launch, remember? And then they took the big L and delayed it for a full year. But it's still for it to be that the the the, the pieces of the plane are landing like at different times. It's like man, that's like some production nightmare. It's like that the Microsoft is like now it's making clear they only only Forza. Which obviously Forza Horizon 5, huge acclaim. I mean, even got Game of the Year over at IGN. Only Forza has been consistently hitting for them. They know their pipeline. They know how they can put it out. Forza 5 is still another Forza Horizon. I mean, Forza Horizon 5 is just the best Forza Horizon in that kind of same style of game. The one game where they got the pipeline going. And now all of this is happening with another internal studio where we're not going to see their game. Where's um, Everwild from Ra- from Rare? That they I think they even said like, "Hey, we have nothing to show you about." Yes, Everwild. we don't know. We don't know what the concept of this game is, and that was revealed in 2019. It's like it is insane when it comes to in-game development. How behind the par Xbox is, and how they were only saved by acquiring projects and studios that already had some games kind of going. That's where Psychonauts 2 came out. That was a kickstarted game from 2015. They brought it in and just gave them final resources to realize the ambition. But that game was already up and running. The All the uh, Obsidian games, they already know how to make RPGs. Bethesda itself, they already have like the, the pipeline working. So they're just kind of bringing everything in-house. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the thing. No, they... I mean, uh, Deathloop came out under them. They already own yep. Bethesda, so we know that Arcane knows how to make games, all of them. So this, seeing this thing with the initiative, you just tells you it's like them g- swallowing up all the studios that they're buying is something that they absolutely need to do because internally, other than Turn 10 and the Coalition over a Gears of War territory, that's not even moving the needle, needle, but it's still Gears of War. Yeah, they just been sucking. Let's just call it like that. It's just been sucking, and that sucks. 
it's uh it, it makes you appreciate how good Nintendo and Sony are for first party development that they can get actual quality games out. Very start to realize this and getting a games like Gran Turismo 7 and Horizon from Sony like two weeks in a row. Games with high and polish and impact. So. Very different games as well, mm -hmm. where despite everyone always complaining that Sony only puts out the same type of uh, first party exclusives. Mm -hmm. To be fair to them, they've had very different. They're, they're, one first party to the next in the PS5 era has been different. Returnal yeah. is not Ratchet. Ratchet is not Horizon. Horizon is not GT7. And before that, Miles Morales was its own kind of Spider-Man game, and then Demon's Souls and Astros. So that whole thing of them doing the same game doesn't quite apply right now to Sony. And yeah, they deserve the props. Yeah, it did. But... They, they course corrected, though. I mm -hmm. mean, that's one of the biggest parts is acknowledging that you were doing something wrong and doing things to change your behavior on that. Yeah, um, and I sure haven't had, like, I haven't held back in calling out Sony. Oh yeah. Also, so. we both have been. I mean, just look at their whole service uh, model with that whole situation, and mm -hmm. then buying uh, Bungie. Yep. Um, just, I I think everyone deserves a good amount of scrutiny, especially when their uh, size of uh, market cap is like mm -hmm. in the billions. Yeah. That's that's when you should go ahead and start. Uh, well, maybe we should uh, take a closer look at these people. Yeah, especially do. over at Xbox, that whose market cap is in the trillions. Yeah. And that's the thing, like, they can have all the money in the world. I've seen this also in the soccer side. You can throw all this money to have all the best things in the world, but it doesn't... Money doesn't compare to actual talent and actual experience. <laughs> New World by Amazon Studios. Yes, so... Exactly. So it's like that's proving itself. It's like, yeah, all this is happening over at Xbox, and they threw all this money to have almost close to 30 studios with barely anything to prove. It's always the future is bright on Xbox, but yep. I don't feel, like, especially after fall 2021, when they release a bunch of games, you cannot rely with, oh, yeah, it's like the future is bright. Over on Xbox, if you're just an Xbox looking for exclusives coming from them, only two are confirmed for this year Redfall and Starfield. And Redfall, who knows? Starfield, I believe, it could hit, but yeah, you deserve to call out as like, yeah, they might have all the money in the world and they might have been buying the PR from all the media, but truth is in the pudding. They still are not putting out games left and right. They're just making all these pro-consumer moves with Game Pass and buying all these third-party things and making all these acquisitions to use. They're basically smoke screening. We're talking about, we're going to talk about smoke screens in a little bit, but yeah, it's like... Microsoft, get your shit together when it comes to your first parties, because especially when all your studios are going to start producing and you're barely managing the ones that you have there, it's going to get ugly. So, number two, Paul, we knew Elden Ring was going to be big just on its massive critical acclaim and the strong word of mouth. According to the NPD, it turns out that was also reciprocated in its sales, with the group no uh, noting the title has eclipsed Pokemon Legends Arceus, Dying Light 2, and Horizon Forbidden West as the biggest launch of a game in 2022. And... The biggest the industry has seen since the release of last year's Call of Duty Vanguard. So this is pulling Call of Duty numbers. So, this massive success officially removes the Soulsborne genre out of the realm of niche after a steady increase in popularity in From Software's previous games. As for whatever is next for Studio From Software, there are rumors they're trying to bring back their Armor Court series, but as a Soulsborne title. Oh. So. Well, um, man. Shocker. I did not expect. Um, <laughs> well, okay, so I didn't expect it to do this level of money mm -hmm. 
until looking back on it. And I'm like, oh, of course it was. Because one, we were all starved for a really good world like this. Mm -hmm. Two, while a lot of people really enjoyed Horizon, um, Elden Ring and... I mean, just look at their marketing for that. It was from the minds of the Dark Souls people and George R.R. R. Martin. And yeah. everyone's like, hey, I know that guy. Mm -hmm. And uh, sure enough, all that stuff... I. I am still standing and dying on the rock that JRRM did not do a whole lot. He didn't. Still he did the lore. Yeah. I mean, Miyazaki yeah, did um, everything else. I mean, like, lore-wise, I think he did, like, a couple of those things there, and he kind of, like, threw in a couple ideas. He created the Bible. Like, he created he, the Bible and everything for this he game. He created a few things for that, and he just bounced. Um, but that's just as somebody who kind of hates on Martin sometimes for the fun mm -hmm. of it. That man makes enough money. I can play with him a little bit. He's got a lot of Game of Thrones stuff coming. He wrote a blog saying that he's still working on Winds of Winter and doing I'm a bunch sure of stuff for is. House of Dragon and blah, blah, blah. So. I, I feel none of it. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, I, I say that good for Elden Ring, good for From Software. I just pray mm -hmm that they learn the right lessons from Elden Ring's success, mm -hmm. where we don't want everything to be extremely hard mm -hmm. with the fixed cameras of lock-ons and all that stuff like Dark Souls did back in the day when Scarlet Nexus and Code Vein and all them were trying to recreate it. And rather, we want things that are going to really get us interested in the world. You've got some cool stuff in the background, environmental storytelling, and a double jumping horse, and that's all I'll say. About I will say that the thing, the ones I want them, I want this game to be more of an impact for is open world design that trusts the player to explore without being handholded too much. Like obviously the recent Assassin's Creed games, obviously you, they, there's been the, that meme of if Elden Ring was a Ubisoft game and having like that that hot barf of everything oh, yeah. there. And uh, there are options for you to turn that off. But the problem is that when you're turning that off, that game was originally designed to be played with the HUD. So right. the world design is not appropriately um, diegetic for you to like really go for it. That's something that I really appreciate about Ghost of Tsushima that is a very old school Ubisoft game in a way, but enough in the world was added in specific details for you to really go through it without you relying on the map if you yeah. didn't want to. I feel that Elden Ring takes that to the next level of having everything just be so so interesting to look at that feels like that curiosity there's definitely gonna be something there I'm just gonna walk there I want more I want open world design to understand that maybe you don't need to make the game as hard as Elden Ring but you can make your world as interesting as you go there without having to litter it with icons and just for people to understand there's also a world where people can have their games that have their icons. Both approaches should be the same. We, we, the Ubisoft style of open world was homogenized by so many different players that this one now stands out more for going against the grain. And that's what I hope that these people that homogenize the Ubisoft formula to the T, they start seeing maybe they can start taking some lessons from this when it comes to like design because Players have been have felt rewarded playing an open world game in a way I haven't seen in forever, since Breath of the Wild, actually. So, yep. 
uh, every five years. If honestly, if we can get a new game that completely shakes things up and breaks the, the industry mm -hmm. um, every five years, I'd be kind of okay with that. It feels like the right time for that. <laughs> so. it, it usually does. Everyone kind of gets into a spiral of the wrong thing, and there's one person that's like, "I haven't played a video game since 2011. Mm -hmm. Here's Breath of the Wild." <laughs> yeah, well, good point is like, imagine if someone last played Skyrim and went to Breath of the Wild after. That seems like the perfect time to get that kind of game because. Exactly. Each game has been like so important in its impact to the to game design. So it's Elden Ring's turn. Let's see who does it in five years. Number three, Paul. In a rather unprecedented move, Sony's hosting another state of play a week after their Japanese-centric showing. This time to do another one of their deep dives to upcoming releases. Think the one that they did for Horizon, for GT7, for Ghost of Tsushima, for uh, Last of Us. They're doing that kind of one. However, the big surprise here is that they're doing a deep dive. No. Not about one of their first or second party releases, but one over a third party game, Hogwarts Legacy. The game, first revealed at the September 2020 PlayStation Showcase, was originally planned for a 2021 release before a delay. Since then, a wave of turbulence has hit the title, with a left-leaning ideological smear campaign towards the game's senior director Troy Leavitt coming in at the same time he was planning on leaving the project for personal reasons, as well as the game's association towards creator J.K. Rowling's perpetually casting a pall over the project despite no dev association with the controversial author. The game was mentioned by WB Games as one of the big three they were planning on releasing in calendar year 2022, which also included LEGO Star Wars The Skywalker Saga coming on April 5th, and the recently dated Gotham Knights from last week coming on October 25th, 2022. This state of play could be not just the first look at gameplay, but also the release window for the title. So, this one was interesting. Sony doesn't- tell me. The senior game director is named Troy Leavitt, and he left. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <That's> genius. <laughs> you can't make that up. Yeah. Oh, oh man. It's... Honestly, the Harry Potter world is going to always have a black mark over mm -hmm. it now, unfortunately, thanks to the creator uh, not being able to shut her mouth. Yes, and being things. very... That's the thing. A lot of people... Um call out that she's very transphobic and all of that and the I thing think it's, it's extending even beyond that it's mm -hmm. just a mentality that she has of i mean it started from the beginning where she just makes stuff up and acts like she did and mm -hmm. for lack of a better word gaslight people into thinking that they're crazy for calling her out on things that she's mm -hmm. just making up and then from there she just kept getting crazier and crazier um with her treatment of certain minority characters mm -hmm. and over uh overcorrecting in certain areas making uh hermione a black girl in the uh cursed child play and mm -hmm. saying oh i've always imagined hermione as a black girl and it's like <laughs> no you didn't no um so anyway yeah it's just it's a lot of problems that that lady has and she just will not stop posting it all publicly mm -hmm. on social media yeah <laughs> people people try to cancel her all the time and she just survives cancel culture it's, it's kind of so crazy. People are just <laughs> supporting her constantly about stuff like that. It's funny, where like the whole conservative crew was ready to burn her at the stake for writing Harry Potter, and now they're the ones. And now they're, and they're another, the <laughs> right? They're they like, were the oh, ones. Wow. They were the ones who was like, this? "Burn these books to the fire. They're satanic and all that." Now they're the ones defending her, while the uh, more like uh, liberal side has not come at her. <laughs> so it's it's funny how the how the pendulum swings right yep. the christian le the christian right has become the cancelable left 
in the left people don't realize that they're being very similar like to the christian life the troy leavitt thing is so funny because they came at him because he used to have a youtube channel where he discussed things like the validity of gamergate and for some reason in left-leaning circles anyone that is not pro gamergate or kind of like questions the validity of the things that happened they're already put as the enemy so a lot of people were kind of came at this guy and went to his twitter likes to see that he was liking some conservative tweets and all that despite him being a liberal he mentioned it in the recent interview he did at the sacred symbols podcast he's a mormon that's more left-leaning than most people that's what's so funny and then they they attach him like a far-right uh far-right conservative like the in the ben shapiro realm it's like why it's like there's cancel culture on the left is kind of insane i just tell you it's good that we don't like dealing with that we're just staying here right here but uh we're here to the escape yes thing. exactly <laughs> we're to escape all the nonsense but yeah hogwarts legacy that's always been one that i'm curious to see because i always mentioned i mentioned it in our most anticipated games list that was an honorable mention for me it was in your top 10 if i remember correctly harry potter feels yeah harry potter feels like it's in that dc marvel star wars realm that a really good video game could work I just hope. Good work. That's the craziest yes. thing, and they just won't do it right. Mm -hmm. um, but maybe this is the time. Talk about Dumbledore's weird secret love triangle with uh, Grindelwald and all of his weird desires to traumatize children. Yeah, I have um, zero interest in Fantastic Beasts, but I will say this: Sony is giving this game a state of play. There must be something That's they're seeing. A weird thing to do for them. Yeah, there's something they must be seeing here that it's worth this extended look. Obviously, them being revealed at the PlayStation Showcase tells us that they have the marketing right. So whenever trailers are popping in this game, either in YouTube or on TV, it's gonna come with PlayStation at the end. You know how marketing deals work. So yep. it's clear that's what's it. But this one's just interesting. They haven't, as far as I know, unless I look up, I haven't seen a state of play showcase, like gameplay showcase of a game. That's not first party or second party. They even did one for Demon Souls. And that was a second party at the time. And also for Returnal. So interesting stuff. But yeah, we'll yep. see. I hope it's good and we get a release date because we already got two release dates from WB Games this year. So I just don't trust release dates anymore. Yeah. I don't. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're me up. Yeah, we're traumatized now. Number four. Are you here to play Overwatch 2, Paul? No. Well for, for, well, for the, well, for those that are interested, you may be in luck. After almost two years of silence as work had continued on the ill-conceived sequel that kills support for the original game, Blizzard announced they're planning on hosting a beta to get the game on people's hands as soon as possible. This also came with the announcement that the game is going to decouple both the PvP and the sequel's PV, new PvE mode. Note, the one new thing that justified this game's existence as a sequel, so as to fulfill said desire for the game to be in the wild much earlier. Think last year's Halo Infinite rollout. That PvP came out on the 15th and then the campaign was like put out three weeks later. Yeah. Overwatch 2 hasn't had the smoothest rollout. First revealed as a sort of smoke screen next to Diablo 4 to cover Blizzard's own fumble over the Blitzchunk situation in 2019, then earning fan ire over its development killing support for the original game dating back to April 2020. In 2021, both Overwatch 2 and Diablo 4 suffered the most over the California lawsuit ousting key members of the development team, which then prompted both projects to be further delayed. Whether this sequel will have the impact the original had and then squandered remains to be seen. A close alpha is out right now, with a bigger pool beta coming out sometimes in April. This Overwatch 2 is 
suffering what happened to Destiny. Because they were under Activision, Destiny wasn't meant to be a sequel game. That was supposed to be one game that evolved over time. Activision demanded they we need to put another box copy in retail. Despite it not making sense. And Overwatch, the king, the king of the hero shooter. Because of the stupid sequel, completely, like, it's dead. Like, there's people playing, but it's like, no one talks about it anymore because no more support happened to Overwatch 1. It's been almost two years, close to three. Imagine how awful that your big game, because of the existence of this stupid sequel, just kind of died at the vine. And then you had all the incidental stuff that happened to it. The well-deserved incidental stuff. Those oh, yeah. Uh, Overwatch is a game that baffles the mind from the business standpoint of it because it is a game that launched and stayed with about a whopping two game modes mm -hmm. um, and that was like all you could choose for the longest time and all of the characters like it was so heavy focused on its longevity because of how good the designs were mm -hmm is like the textbook example of making a game with such good character designs that all of the fan art and stuff made around it just carried all of the rest of the game for it i mean look at now with valorant and some of those others just i mean just overgeneralizing and going into the hero shooter genre entirely that that is exactly what it did and it carried an entire genre of itself mm -hmm for years and i mean there's a respect that i have for that at least but man when you really break it down break it down it's um it's such a simple game and the fact that they weren't able to keep up with that mm -hmm. blows my mind they did like almost nothing with it um and i know this is as somebody that barely played the game but i mean like yeah they had some extra gameplay modes they had some temporary modes they had a lot of skins i mean they were the at the vanguard of the loot box problem. yeah they ever loot box became a thing um, because of how successful this was with loot boxes and it's such a crazy system that just rose and fell because the publisher wanted a sequel exactly and that's what sucks because if they had not done this overwatch would have still gotten all the content that they were making yep. for the sequel to show up in this because this is what's so funny they made a point of saying you don't need Overwatch 2 to keep playing multiplayer. You can still play. Everyone that watches it, that buys Overwatch 2 will be able to play over in Overwatch 1. That tells you everything. That is like, yeah, that is just completely unnecessary. The, yeah. PV, the PvE mode was something they tested a little bit, like as a time limit. I think kind of like what Siege did, that yeah. eventually that became quarantine slash extraction. They did that with Overwatch, and they're like, yeah, this people like this. We might bake this, but they, that should have been baked into the base game. Not like kill it in the vine like you did just because of the idea of getting another sequel. The Overwatch 2 is what I wish was like, since Microsoft was absorbing this whole nonsense, that they were going to be like, can that, put that over in the Overwatch 1 now. Because you don't need that. Their desire for a sequel was just, is just Activision's desire of, put a thing with a 2 in the title, go to GameStop, there's the thing, even though you don't need it. So... Yeah. So I'll try the beta if it becomes like an open beta, just for curiosity. There was some fun that I had with Overwatch 1, I remember, but I kind of like didn't catch it in the side guys when I should have, but we'll see. It's, it's just so sad because Overwatch was like the king of the hero shooter. It was the proof that Blizzard, whenever they got into a genre, they could become the kings of that genre. Look at Diablo with the looter. So, oh man, 
Hard I still can't believe they had to replace an entire character because they used the exact name as one of the developers. Yeah, got Jesse McCree. For all that. <laughs> that blows my mind. Yeah, stupid. <laughs> oh, they ruined an entire character that had like in-universe backstory books and mm -hmm. comics written about him and stuff. And now he's just had to get axed out of the story that's mm -hmm. that's why you don't use real people yeah. as a basis for characters you never know what's gonna do what you're gonna never find out <laughs> oh, so, number five paul if you're expecting one of ea's big games of this fall to be the death space remake developed by ea motive we have an idea of when it'll be out now during their second development stream motive has done for the game the first one happened while you were in shelter paul they announced they're aiming to release this remake in the first half of 2023. This confirms that the ever uh, what the ever-reliable Jeff Grubb reported about the timeline of the remake. He was the first one to leak it, which was always a late 2022, early 2023 project. This 2023 release window will mark the series' official return after 10-year absence, with the lukewarm Dead Space 3 releasing in February 2013. 10 years without Dead Space, that's kind of insane. I nice. this doesn't surprise me that it's not gonna be a fall 2022 based on the things I've seen in the in both um, the uh, developer remix. The, the game doesn't seem like it's made some that much progress. Like it feels it's showing kind of like you, you see things in alpha kind of before yeah. all the textures are in. The first one was about uh, they're adding extra layers to the limb cutting, so making it I... more involved. I feel like, I mean, this is coming full circle to the problem that we've seen again. It's a quick cinematic with a release window means nothing, nothing. anymore. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, like, you gotta show at least gameplay because otherwise I'm not gonna think you even started on the gameplay anymore. There's gameplay that they've shown. It's just in alpha, very early footage. They've, seen, yeah. they've shown the game being played. It looks like a Dead Space game. So... It's like it makes sense. Take a little bit more time because you're remaking something that already exists. You're adding a few more stuff. They want to connect the first game more to Death Space 2 and 3. They're making Isaac a speaking character now compared to how it was in 1 that he didn't speak at all. So they're doing stuff. Oh, yeah. They're doing stuff. Here's something that I didn't put here that makes me curious. If this is the 2023 game early, what about Jedi Fallen Order 2 for EA? Does this mean, does this confirm that then Jedi Fallen Order 2 is this fall? Or are they going to put both the Death Space Remake and Jedi Fallen Order 2 around the same time, early in 2023? Well, what I think would probably end up happening in my um, pessimist mind is their goal was for 2022 with Jedi Fallen Order. And uh, this was already 2023. Mm -hmm. Jedi Fallen Order is going to get pushed back into 2023, push this back into like late 2023. Um, I can see basically that. Basically what happened with WB and... Gotham mm -hmm. Knights and um, kills the Justice League. Yeah, so, I can I can see that. I I really want that to not be the case, and that it was always planned for late 2022 on Jedi Fallen Order to yeah. this and the next. Year. Yeah, and my thing is that EA is notorious for being the studio that they like releasing titles before their first school year ends <laughs> to hell or high water. Sometimes look what happened to Anthem. Ugh. So it's like I can see I can see the scenario where both. Jedi Fallen Order was a 2022 game that then got pushed to 2023s, but also this Death Space remake was in the books, and they kind of want to put them in the books by the end of fiscal year, so we'll see. It's like EA, EA is like, it's kind of crazy that Respawn does them so good because EA is just such a disaster.
right now. So in in quality in the in the, the big games, not the small ones. So number six. Ahead of its March 25th, 2022 release day, Gearbox Software President Randy Pitchford announced the upcoming Borderlands adjacent title, Tiny Tina's Wonderlands, is going to launch with full cross-platform play on all platforms. Why this is notable is because Border Borderlands 3 didn't originally launch with cross-platform play in 2019, right when all games started ad adopting the strategy, and when the feature eventually came, it came with the caveat that PlayStation 4 and 5 players were not going to be part of the feature when everyone else was going to. While no explanation was given as to why of the exclusion, the Apple vs Epic discovery process of the 2021 court hearing revealed an email that detailed PlayStation only allowed crossplay integration for their versions as long as the publisher dev paid an initial fee to Sony for the feature, as well as subsequent royalties in case they lost revenue and microtransaction purchases to other platforms. So the thought was that 2K Gearbox refused to pay a fee to Sony for that feature in Borderlands 3. With Tiny Tina's Wonderlands including full support on all platforms, the question remains, did they relent this time and pay Sony a fee? Or has Sony changed their ways now that the market has shown they're not as in a dominant position now as they were in the PS4 generation? That's what I found interesting about the story. Hearing a game is cross-platform, uh, has cross-platform play, it's not a big deal anymore to me. I feel a lot of people do it. It was it notable. It like the base level yeah. of things. Especially for a, for a multiplayer thing. But you when, remember when that was like, oh, I wish they would do that. That would be so great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's what people wanted from Borderlands 3 at the beginning because everyone was doing cross-platform play. Call of Duty was about to do it. Fortnite was big. Others yeah. were talking about adopting it. So when they, when Borderlands 3 came out, they didn't have the feature. They were like, yeah, we'll see. But then last mm -hmm. year, that they enabled that. But then they came with the caveat. Oh, yeah. All these platforms can play together. PlayStation platforms are siloed. And they, but they didn't say why. People just remembered, oh yeah, in the Apple versus Epic uh, court thing over the full Fortnite mobile thing, when they went into discovery, a Sony email came in during those discovery emails that detailed that Sony was like, yeah, we're enabling crossplay if you pay us. Everyone else does this for free. So everyone was like, oh yeah, 2K and Gearbox didn't want to pay Sony. That's why Sony was excluded. So it just make me wonder, this time we're like, you know what, this is important, we'll just pay these bastards and then have the feature here. Or has Sony finally relented to be like, we're idiots for charging for this. Gosh, I hope it's the second. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hope so too, because that's the thing, like, that sounded to me like that whole, like when Sony's at the king and they're like the king of the world, they act very yeah. arrogant, so. They really do. Gosh, they when they know that they're running the market in a certain area, they mm -hmm. will milk that sucker for whatever they can. I, man... I guess just like you said, I really hope it's that second option, and mm. I I fear that Sony gets a big head about everything that they do, mm -hmm. um, using something as little as crossplay, holding it hostage for players like us to suffer. Mm -hmm. And nowadays, where it almost shouldn't even matter what system you play on, mm -hmm. um, just as long as you can play with all your friends, is where we are now. Yeah. Li like it or not, for them. I remember there were rumors that it was not going to happen for Destiny, that the Destiny community was going to be siloed and only the PC, Xbox, and Stadia people were going to be able to have, like, cross-save. But then Bungie, at the very last minute, they were like, no, we're having it at all. They're all doing it. PlayStation can cross-save with uh, Xbox and then cross-play happen console-wide. It's hard to think. It's like our friend JLC, my friend Josh, Yeah, he, he plays, plays on, on Xbox. Xbox. Yeah, and we play with him Destiny. So it's like... 
this is just what the market is. So I really hope, like I said, it's the second one. I just hope that Sony finally realizes they're not the king. They are not. Xbox just outsold them in Europe recently. Yep. So it's like, they're not over here. They're like this. So they cannot be arrogant. So No, which is the best place for you and you I, don't I to be. be. Exactly. In that place, <laughs> you always want the big boys fighting because mm -hmm. that means that they are always going to compete for your money. Mm -hmm. That's exactly. a good thing for all of us. That's why we're anyway. seeing more variety from Sony now. Amen. So, Final story, Paul. I think this was more and more in your alley. Okay. If you thought any sort of controversy would die down in regards to Activision Blizzard, oh, God, think again. them again. According to GamesIndustry.biz, the company is now under investigation for insider trading. Oh my God. <laughs> where, where three businessmen with direct ties to CEO Bobby Kotick, Barry Diller, David Geffen, and Alexander von Fustenberg allegedly bought a large quantity of Activision Blizzard shares four days ahead of the announcement that Microsoft was acquiring the beleaguered publisher. The trio allegedly bought 4.12 million shares on, on January 14 for around $108 million. This situation started an investigation by the U.S. Justice Department, who is looking into whether any of the options trades violated insider trading law, which will add an extra wrinkle to the Microsoft Activision Blizzard acquisition currently undergoing FTC antitrust scrutiny. <laughs> of course, this like, had to happen. <laughs> I forget how the phrase goes, but it's the concept of it doesn't matter if you clean a pig up it is still going to dive back in the mud the yeah. first opportunity it gets. This is exactly that kind of situation because people this evil are going uh -huh. to keep doing evil stuff like this. He's yeah. already involved in an investigation <laughs> and he gets his three buddies to insider trade on their stock. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yes. And I had heard that this could be the thing that kills the deal. This would be, oh, the final hubris-filled nail in the coffin would be so nice. It's it's not all the other stuff that clearly he should be put away forever for, mm -hmm. but the fact that he, he ruined the productivity of the other millionaires and billionaires mm -hmm. is what's going to do him in. Yeah. But hey, you know what? That... Uh, that is the most poetic thing I can imagine for this guy. And if that's how he has to go down, then by God, we're going to get him. Yeah. It's kind of good because remember, he had a Kodak himself, had a golden parachute ready. He did. For his exit. Or uh, he didn't absolutely. On which time you were telling us that. Exactly. Yeah. No, he has yes, definitely have more a platinum because of considering all the garbage that happened under him. Oh, so. Yeah. so the fact that this has to be added to the pile of garbage that could like prevent this whole thing from going because of insider trading because i don't be, i don't know much about stocks like you but insider trading is like a very big a deal big no no yeah that is one of those things that like honestly it still doesn't make all that much sense to me because the concept of oh if you happen to make too many friends and one of them says that they happen to be saying hey buy stock in my company but there's a chance that that could be considered insider trading because they know something that is coming shouldn't yeah. is like 
how subjective is that for somebody to come down and say no that's illegal you can't play the game the right way like that um like how dare you make friends but at the same time it's like absolutely that's the, the whole method of all of these rich people getting richer is because they're all friends with each other and if each of them say hey buy things in this one thing or sell all of them in that thing that's how you literally run a country and mm -hmm. um that's not okay and yeah. <laughs> there's entire government agencies literally designed only to stop people from doing that which shows how much uh focus they take in that kind of thing um and they don't play with that so this is something that's going to add another group that's going to investigate the entire thing now mm -hmm. and their express purpose is bringing people like him down so uh -huh. <laughs> Gosh, if he gets off of this, yeah, he's gonna be one slippery son of a gun. I tell you what. Yeah, I bet Microsoft is thrilled that on top of having the F an FTC that's more emboldened and trying to block things, and the antitrust people. Of course, now they have the U.S. Justice Department looking at insider trading. It's like, oh man, what a comedy of unforeseen I mean, errors. What a <laughs> if. I'm wondering, like, it, with Microsoft, they're able to take all of this and they could just kick him out saying, yes, officer, it was him. Mm -hmm. Take him, please, and that will fix all of our problems, we promise. So, and then they just go back to running the company the way it was. Yeah, so the thing is that because they still don't own Activision, Activision is still acting yet, as its yeah. own entity until sometime in 2023 when the deal goes through. I mean, through. they're still under the FTC investigation, so, I mm -hmm. mean, it doesn't matter what it is, but can, can you imagine, I feel like even though Microsoft is like, oh, thank God we're getting him out, I can only imagine the sweat beating up on their forehead, like, man, I really hope this doesn't lead into some really well, nasty things. Keep in mind the family of the person that committed suicide that was one of the opening um, kind of like allegations that were thrown at Activision Blizzard back in yeah, July of last year. Of all this. They're suing Activision Blizzard over that. So it's like, I am, it's so funny. It's like, you know what? I don't feel bad for Microsoft. They are the ones that decided to buy this company. Like we said at the start, yeah. when you make a market cap in the billions and trillions in Microsoft's case, you can get all the scrutiny you want out there. They mean nothing. Mm -hmm. It is made up of people, but this is a company. And as we have established in legal law, companies are essentially their own person. Mm -hmm. That is a thing. Look that up. It is listed as like there's certain things you need to be required to be considered a person to the legal law system so that's why they can be sued is because they're technically people and um therefore you can throw all you want at that entity mm -hmm. that was that was paul's little business minute there yes because you're a business the business guy i'm the pr guy so yeah, with, without my dis choice on it, i would love for you like to tie it you should mention your dad about this whole insight in, inside trading thing that happened over there at I'm going to mention that to him because yeah. I'm really curious. I know he's been talking back and forth about how messed up all that is. And I'm really glad that he got out of the stocks before Activision Blizzard got really caught with all their stuff happening. Mm -hmm. um, and he like is now on our side of like, oh shoot, now that I know all this stuff, that's really messed up. We should keep that down. <laughs> um, but I, I still remember actually mentioning our previous thing with Apple versus Epic. His uh -huh. favorite thing was finding out that Fortnite recreated a commercial 
Yeah, the nineteen eighty nineties. Yeah, the nineteen eighty four thing. <laughs> the fact that he watched it and he kept wanting me to go watch it with him on YouTube. He's like, Look at this and the, look at the original one. He pulled the original ah, up on YouTube yeah. and he's like watching the guy run through with the hammer and he mm -hmm. was like blown away that somebody would recreate that from his era of like uh, his heyday and golden age. I was like Dad, you're so adorable. I Can you believe that. that happened two years ago? When because that's when the Apple gosh. versus Epic thing happened. It feels like a million years this last two that years. Kinda, did that officially wrap up? Because I know they both like lost a lot out of it, but it's still yeah, okay, I thought so. Some initial stuff wrapped up and now they're in kind of like the appeal process. And that, that takes much longer. So yeah, they both lost forever. there. It's like that's the thing. Like Epic lost in its majority, but then Apple lost in a key one. Probably right, the key one. It, it's like it ruins both of them in the end and we're all like Haha, suckers yeah. yeah i love when like um, trillion dollar comfort corporations kind of like it's great as long as it, it doesn't really ruin us we're like <laughs> yeah. let them fight i say that um, as i still have an iphone <laughs> i know right what's <laughs> so, wrong with you you should uh, obviously have the next largest google created phone like i do yeah that's the thing like everyone that tries to live a financially moral life almost impossible it's, so. it's pretty much impossible yeah. yeah you just gotta do what you need to and with that paul yeah this episode concludes where <laughs> Man, can we people had some yes. heavy stuff there <laughs> oh yes <laughs> um but yeah you can find me at twitter uh well, on twitter at dork of art um and as always i post art and memes almost daily and where can they find you all they can find me also on twitter at a underscore dorsegovia instagram at alejandro segovia 93 and some of my written content at thecriticalcorner.com so paul it's been a pleasure hopefully i see you online when we can play either destiny or stranger of paradise and oh, everyone days. if you like this episode like i mentioned at the beginning you can feel free to like share subscribe whether it's in the audio services or over here in youtube and tell us what you like what you didn't like we, we, we would love to hear more feedback since paul we're getting close to episode 50 Gosh. Think about that. <laughs> so I'll let you know when episode 50 Remember hits. when we were like barely reaching 15 and we're like, this is taking forever. How yeah, we reached 13. Happening? We reached 13 before we went on that long hiatus and then we lost an episode in yep. also in the middle that of was... that hiatus. Oof, so goodness. it's been a journey, but hey, a lot of good numbers in the audio version specifically. So thank you to everyone who listens. And yes. remember everyone, press X. To play. Good night, everyone. See you guys later.